This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. the ass kick e i am the ass kick er what's going on folks my take radio episode 116 for thursday november 17th 2011 the intro music you just heard was from the 28 days later soundtrack and you can download that from amazon itunes and any of your other mp3 outlets the call-in number is 347-324-3541 again that call-in number is 347-324 three five four one working out a couple of hiccups this week that i was working on when the show went live i'm sure that there was a bit of a delay in the sound just because i'm trying to run all the intro music through the soundboard and not run it through blog talk radio only because it would give you guys a clearer sound not 100 percent sure how it's working so far given that the feedback has been mixed but Hopefully it'll continue to be clear and crisp audio. I have been contemplating actually replacing the audio files on Blog Talk Radio with clearer audio as the episodes get edited, but we'll see how it goes. Right now, we're going to make it work as best as possible with that, but I figured I'd give you guys an, an update with regards to the hardware and how the stuff is going to be improving in future episodes. There will be some other hardware added probably within the next two weeks, which should limit any outgoing noises that may pop up in certain broadcasts, whether it's, you know, mouse clicks, uh, needless bullshit like that, cars outside, the train. Want to try and eliminate as much sound as possible to give you guys a nice clear show, so I figured you guys would get a kick out of that. In addition to that, I will be officially removing the forum next weekend i've already removed certain parts i had to download a couple of files off of the forums so the forums will be gone right after the holidays so you guys will be ready to go with using facebook and twitter to interact with us and um that's the name of the game with the forums i would probably contemplate bringing them back but just not as involved and as crazy as they were initially with all the crazy stuff of registering and all this stuff just something smaller more intimate that'll be integrated into the site so figured you guys want to know about that also i added some other merchandise to the mtr store a couple of different hoodies you got pullover hoodie zippered hoodie an american apparel t-shirt style with the mtr logo we've also added a shirt for the ladies make sure to check that out at the mtr store just click the tab on mytakeradio.com also we have the amazon affiliate store which is live if you guys are doing any christmas shopping do it through the amazon affiliate store and help out mtr everything is handled by amazon as usual and um you'll have no problem with that all you got to do Go right through, pick whatever you want. It takes you straight to Amazon, and whatever purchases you make ends up helping us out 
We got games on there, movies, some of the gear that we use for the show, some of the gadgets that we review. All of that is listed on our Amazon affiliate store. If there's stuff that's missing or there's stuff you'd like to see, let me know. I can add it to the store right away. We've been reviewing a lot of hardware this week. I am super swamped with shit I got to review. Uh, cameras. I have a camera from Olympus that I actually have to send back to them tomorrow. We finished a review for that. And you can see that review probably over the weekend. Also have a review of the mic that I'm using, which is an Audio-Technica mic. Also using a Logitech touchpad, which I'm actually going to be returning because it doesn't work as well as I thought. Last but not least, um, no, I think I think that pretty much covers all the business. Oh, yeah. How can I forget this? I have added a new feature for MTR going forward. I have added a feedback line from now on you don't have to email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com if you don't want to if you have questions or concerns you can call this feedback line 347-815-0687 again 347-815-0687 is the my take radio feedback line it's probably going to spell out 347-815-0mtr figured you guys would get a kick out of that if you like to mess around with numbers any messages that are received on that line unless otherwise specified will be played on air so please note that if you don't want your messages played on air make sure you let me know because otherwise that shit is going on there so if you want to leave any of your lame messages asking stupid ass questions i guarantee you they will be played on air and you will be made to feel dumb i do it not only because It'd be great for the show, but I'm sure it'll get us a few laughs as well. So the feedback line is active, and those messages will be played on air. We are also going to be doing live streaming probably after the holidays once we get a capture card set up. Either myself or Slick will be doing live streaming events. We are also on Google+. Plus. Look for us on there. Just punch in My Take Radio. Add us to your circle. We're going to start testing out the Google+, Plus Hangouts feature, maybe a post-fight or during uh, Monday Night Raw, we'll do a hangout. You could do a video chat in there. I'll go in there and I'll see if I can get a couple of the other MTR faithful involved. Nice group chat, talk wrestling, whatever is going on for that particular hangout. I will be testing that next week, so be on the lookout for that. If you are on uh, Google+, add us to your circle. Simple as that. For those of you getting the show on Stitcher, please remember to take a moment and when you do get the show on stitcher head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take enter the my take promo code and you'll be entered to win a 100 gift card stitcher is available on iphone and android devices WebOS devices and blackberry it'll allow you to stream the shows no need to sync with itunes or drag mp mp3s into your devices Download the app, and you can stream the episodes real easy. No syncing, no memory, no storage wasted. Stitcher.com forward slash my take. Our Facebook fan page, 1,600 fans. Help us get to 2,000. I think we should close out 2,011 with 2,000 fans. Maybe I'll do a giveaway for the 2,000th fan. We'll see how that goes. We haven't been faring very well in the giveaway departments. I guess you guys don't want free shit. Whether it's Comic-Con swag or whatever, I have a ton of stuff left. I'm trying to find ways to give it out. The caption contest we did for the signed Headlock comic went 
about as as good as I can expect. It took a little poking and prodding to get some interactions done, but if you guys want giveaways and you guys want cool shit, you guys got to participate. I got rid of the forums for that reason. You're stuck with us on Facebook. We're going to end up having to start looking for you guys like Jay and Silent Bob and knocking on your door and threatening you to interact on Facebook. So if you want some free shit, make sure you do that. All right. Get glue. The stickers, as of right now, we're not going to hear anything till January. Seems that they are backed up with a ton of other shit. So they are not going to hook us up. Not till January at least. There is no guest this week. There's no guest next week. MTR will be live Wednesday night. Obviously because Thursday is Thanksgiving and because I cook and stuff my face. I don't think you guys want to hear me in a turkey-induced coma at 11 o'clock at night unless you want fuel for your Black Friday rage, in which case, maybe I'd oblige you, but Wednesday will be the day. We got new additions for our app-exclusive shows, MTR Behind the Mic. I interviewed Wayne Shada from Team Takeover. He is a YouTube video vlogger. Uh, we talked a little bit about MMA, uh, working with YouTube, and his work with Team Takeover. That's exclusive for... MTR app owners and Stitcher subscribers. We also did a behind the mic, well, excuse me, a beyond the mic with Mike Spring from DVDSnapshot.com, which will be relaunching tomorrow. So you guys can get that either via the app or via Stitcher. Easy as that. All right. The monologue for this week is actually something which I'm sure many of you will get a lot of laughs about. And that is, I went and saw Immortals last week. And, um,. Immortals was good. There's going to be a review on MyTakeRadio.com. But what I really wanted to talk about was the fact that, wow, that was my uh, iPad making noise about an email. Nice. Immortals was great, bloody, super violent, but here's, here's where my issue comes in. We went to see it Veterans Day, opening day. I expected to get in there, be amongst adults, but it seems that our, our beautiful generation of parents decided that Immortals is a great movie for kids that are 10 years old and younger. This was reinforced by the fact that there was a nude scene in the movie. And I think the kid must have been 12, sitting right behind me. And Frida Pinto comes out. She strips down, fully naked, bare ass. And the kid's comment, and I quote verbatim, was... OMG, look at her butt. That was exactly what this kid said. Now, this was in a crowded movie theater, and while it was funny, this little motherfucker would not shut up the entire movie. Not only that, but every time somebody got killed, every child in the movie theater laughed. Which just goes to show you that we are raising a generation of fucking psychopaths. Because what kid laughs at a decapitation that isn't normal? And the typical shit train, you know, went down, which was kids yakking. And I think I must have said shut up at least three times to the little motherfucker behind me. I actually wanted to become an Occupy, a member of the Occupy movement that weekend by occupying my foot in his little 12-year-old ass. That's what I wanted to do. Because... How are you going to bring your kid, this little kid doesn't even have hair on his nuts, to see a movie where we got decapitations, uh, heads being ripped off, entrails being cut out, somebody take, getting a sledgehammer to the nuts, because yes, there was a sledgehammer to the nuts, so yeah, we also had three grown-ass women cooked alive, 
So this is these are the gems. These are the beautiful things that children under the age of 15 got to see. So, yeah, we're going to start a new Occupy movement, and it's going to involve occupying your foot in someone's ass. That's the new MTR Occupy movement. Occupy foot to ass. You can even use that as a hashtag if you want. But seriously, the movie was great, and it was marred by stupid-ass parents and their jerk-off kids that should have been watching Puss in Boots or Happy Feet 2 or some other gibberish instead of watching Immortals. And that was the worst thing. And it wasn't one or two 10-year-old kids. It was at least nine or ten of them. Plus a couple of adults. You had one morbidly obese fat guy that was two rows in front that smelled like cat piss and fucking sauna. It was terrible. And the worst thing was he had a a really terrible members-only jacket. Movie was great. Audience was horrible. That's how it goes. Occupy foot to ass, or De Silva put a good one, occupying boots to asses. So yes, Immortals was great. Await the review this weekend. Parents suck, and that's pretty much it. So there you have it. Tonight's topics, we're talking UFC on Fox. We're going to talk The Ultimate Fighter. We're going to touch on Bellator a little bit. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. I'm actually going to break the rules this week and talk a little bit about TNA. We're going to talk about MPD numbers in the game segment, Modern Warfare 3, and the, and the raping that it's doing to people's pockets. Last but not least, what the fuck movie news, and all I have to say, it involves Legos, and it involves Woody Woodpecker, and a couple of other gems. So, with that said, I think that we're going to need to really break into this fucking MMA stuff, because... So much stuff went down this weekend. It was a historic weekend for the UFC, and it was just a historic event for a, st- a historic weekend for the sport. And I'm very happy about that. So let's get this MMA party started. All right. I want to start with UFC on Fox. So much was going on. So much press. So much fanfare. Um, Fox had a lot of eggs in one basket. So did the UFC. So the success of this event um, had a huge impact, not just on the UFC and on MMA fans, but just on the sport in general. And of course, a lot of people have said to me, oh, well, Strikeforce was on CBS. Yeah, Strikeforce was on CBS, but Strikeforce also blew their load by going on broadcast television by putting Kimbo Slice as their main event. The UFC did something that was far more calculated and more well thought out to some extent. I do have my gripes about it, which I'm going to get into. I'm not going to go through every fight because obviously you guys know what happened, but I want to just pluck out a couple of fights that I really enjoyed. And the first one I want to talk about that broke my heart was Kid Yamamoto versus uh, Darren Uyenoyama, which was, I expected Kid Yamamoto to come in there and do serious work. That was not the case. Um, Uyenoyama put in work all three rounds, really took it to Kid Yamamoto. It, it was not the Kid Yamamoto that I remember seeing. And this goes, this ties into an article that Ben did on the site about Kid Yamamoto and how you know, he's he's not the Kid Yamamoto we remember. 
been one as far as including a highlight reel of some of Kid Yamamoto's previous fights. I was very disappointed. I'm a big fan, but Uyenoyama looked really good in the fight, and I was very impressed with his performance, to quote GSP. Next, on the featherweight side of things, I want to talk about Ricardo Lamas and Cub Swanson. Um, I expected Cub Swanson to go in there. He's he's a great featherweight prospect and do his work, establish himself as as a solid featherweight contender. But Ricardo Lamas was not having that. First round, Swanson started off really well. He actually did a really good sidekick. Um, there was a point where Lamas did shoot in during the during the first round and took Swanson to the ground, but. It was a great exchange back and forth, but Swanson looked really good in the first. Second round, though, Lamas came out of nowhere and surprised uh, Cub Swanson against the fence, at which point he ended up taking his back and locked in an arm triangle, and Cub Swanson tapped out via submission at 2 minutes 16 seconds in round 2. Very, very impressive submission victory for Ricardo Lamas. Now the lightweight bout. Clay Guida, Ben Henderson. And this is where I want to talk about where I was really annoyed with the UFC. Your co-main event. I don't give a fuck what Fox told them. This fight needed to be seen. When you take a guy like like Junior Dos Santos and you take our, our, our buddy Cain Velasquez and you put them in there. These guys have serious knockout power. Neither one of these guys was going five rounds. Simple as that. The amount of power in their punches was guaranteeing a knockout. It was in the UFC's best interest to put Guida and Henderson on the main event. And the fact is that I felt that Guida and Henderson were the true fight of the night. It was a masterful masterful performance by both guys. It was pretty much... If you watch cartoons and you watch cats and dogs fight and you just see a cloud and arms and legs all over the place or in this case feet and tails for for cats and dogs, that's pretty much the equivalent of Clay Guida and Ben Henderson's exchanges. It was pretty much just a, a flurry of punches, kicks and hair everywhere. And I was really, really, really rooting for both guys, which is fucked up. Because both guys give great performances, they have great exchanges, they have fight of the night honors, and Ben Henderson got the better of Clay Guida. He actually out-hustled the hustler and ended up securing the victory via unanimous decision. Ben Henderson goes on now to challenge Frankie Edgar for the lightweight title, which would be happening in UF, which will be happening, I should say, in UFC in Japan. And I will talk about that later in the segment. Uh, fantastic fight. It was a travesty. That we were not we were not shown that on Fox, especially with what went down in the main event. Uh, the Fox card opened up. You know, you had your NFL jingle, which I wish I could have played for you guys, but unfortunately, I didn't bother to download it. But nonetheless, NFL jingle. Dana White was playing the role of analyst, as was Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was in there. Uh, he was a little bit in promo mode, talking about how he wants to get his rematch with Kane, and, you know, after he's gonna get it after he smashes Overeem, blah, 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 Brock, 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 shit, shit, shit. Let's get into the, the main event itself. Kane came in, he had some mariachi music playing, which, it's funny because this guy doesn't even speak Spanish and they build him, you know, because he's Mexican. It's, it's like, look, how about the guy's your champion, he's a great athlete, let's not bring race into it, I don't give a fuck if it was two Mexicans, a Mexican and an Aborigine, I don't give a fuck if it was Asians, uh, purple aliens, it doesn't matter what race they were, I wanted to see fists to face, simple as that, 
Cain Velasquez went in there, and they met in the center of that cage, and Junior Dos Santos napalmed Cain Velasquez's dome, and Easter Island head went down, and that was it. Ladies and gentlemen, new world heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos via knockout, a minute and four seconds of round one. Caught Cain Velasquez in the back of that Easter Island dome. He crumpled like a bag of fucking tortillas, and that was it. But, like anything else with the heavyweight belt, guys just can't seem to keep it. Not only that, but Junior Dos Santos came out of that fight with an injury. Uh, he suffered a knee injury. He'll probably be on the shelf for a little bit. He will meet the winner of Brock Lesnar and Alistair Overeem, and that's it. Now, my big gripe is everybody's like, oh, well, you know, Cain Velasquez didn't shoot in for the takedown. Blah, blah, blah. This, this, that, and the third. I think that the way I look at it is that these guys had a huge amount of pressure, network television. They wanted to go in there and trade, do something exciting, and somebody was getting knocked out. Unfortunately, in this case, it was the champ. It was a, a beautiful, beautiful end to a great historic evening for mixed martial arts. I want to applaud the UFC for doing it right. I got to give credit to fucking Fox for not making it a complete clusterfuck. Very impressed. Bummed that Henderson and Guida didn't get on the on the card, but I'll take what I can get. I will say this. $65,000 bonuses were handed out. Knockout of the night. Hello, Junior Dos Santos. Ricardo Lamas got submission of the night and fight of the night. Well deserved. Ben Henderson, Clay Guida, $65,000 bonuses. The television industry is saying that the UFC on Fox bout was seen by 8.8 .8 million viewers on the Fox network. That makes the UFC on Fox the most watched MMA fight in U.S. television history. Within three minutes of the bout's conclusion, they say that the audience went down to 5.9 million viewers overall. The event averaged 5.7 million viewers. Now, before I go any further, I just want to say that if Bob Arum is talking shit about mixed martial arts, he can just read that number and realize that this is the fastest growing sport in the game and he needs to stop being a jizz bag and stop being so fucking antiquated and talking out of his ass. That's all I gotta say. I think that mixed martial arts right now is, is at, at the apex and it can only get better. And if we can just get it sanctioned here in New York, which I want to talk about that as well, we can see the sport continue to grow. And um, De Silva is hoping for Overeem versus Junior Dos Santos. And I have to agree that um, that's the way it's going to go down probably. It's probably going to be Overeem and Junior Dos Santos. I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar's a ginormous human being, but that motherfucker does not like to get hit. He does not like getting punched in the face. Not a fan. So, Overeem is going to come in there and put foot to fucking foot to face, knee to chest, and that's going to be it. I think Overeem and Junior Dos Santos, I see Overeem utilizing the Muay Thai clinch, and Overeem will be your UFC heavyweight champion. If I'm wrong, you can leave your feedback on the feedback line and be like, you know what, rich man, I put my money on fucking Overeem, you're an asshole, and I lost my money because he lost. I'll I'll take I'll take that I'll take the blame for that but I honestly think that Overeem and Junior Dos Santos is going to be huge and that should be another fight that deserves to be on Fox because it'll get huge amounts of viewers to tune in and continue to help grow the sport. All right, let's get into some other news and uh, 
I want to talk some some tough this week. I'm not going to go through all the bullshit. I just want to go through the coaches challenge, which was uh, interesting because they were playing air hockey and um, Bisping won and celebrated to the point where he fell on his ass. But uh, it, it was it was a nice, lighthearted part of the show that I enjoy. The coaches' challenges are always fun. Um, the fight itself, we had uh, Dustin Paig, TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw looked really good in all three rounds and secured the victory via unanimous decision. To close out round three, Dillashaw secured an uppercut, at which point he took down Paig, pummeled him. Paig at that point tried to shrimp out but didn't didn't get it. Dillashaw even went for an arm triangle at which point where he had side control and Peg was pretty much trapped at the end of round three. And if you're on your back, whether you're being active or not, the judges are going to see it as the person on top being the aggressor. If only it was that easy when you're making kids. But um, TJ Dillashaw takes the victory via unanimous decision. Next week, we get the last two semifinals and we're really getting close to Bisping and Mayhem getting it on. So... It's, it's, it's shaping up to be a really solid season, and I can only hope that the Ultimate Fighter on Fox can be just as good when it debuts next year. Alright, let's get into the main MMA news of the evening. There's a couple of things I want to discuss. I want to talk a little bit about Strike Force. KJ Noons and Billy Evangelista is confirmed for the December 17th Strike Force event, which I have a nagging suspicion will be the last Strike Force event ever. The main event on Showtime, Gilbert Melendez, uh, Jorge Masvidal for the lightweight title. Christian Cyborg Santos is taking on Hiroko Yamanaka for the women's featherweight title. Well, she's defending the title, I should say. Gegard Mousasi is taking on Ovin St. Prue and Billy Evangelista and KJ Nunes. For the prelims thus far, they're saying that Keith Jardine will be fighting on the prelims and Carlos Fedor will be taking on Justin Wilcox. That fight has not been confirmed. In some UFC news, they're starting to put together the events for UFC 144. That's going to take place February 26th at the historic Saitama Super Arena in Saitama, Japan. Thus far, like I said, the headline is going to be Frankie Edgar, Ben Henderson, and also Yoshihiro Akiyama is dropping down to welterweight to take on Jake Shields, dropping down from that 185 to 170. Sexyama and Jake Shields will be on the card for UFC 144. I'm super excited for that fight. Jake Shields coming off that uh, that performance, you know, post uh, the passing of his dad, Akiyama. He's 1-3 and three in the UFC right now. This I honestly see as a make-or-break fight for him. So I, I'm, I'm pulling for Akiyama. I mean, Jake Shields, even if he lost in this, in this particular fight and was competitive, it's not like he's getting cut. Akiyama, though, he's definitely on the bubble at 1-3 and three in the UFC. Now, this is this is going to get a little political. It's going to get a little a little inside for those of you that don't follow mixed martial arts. Um, as a New York resident, I enjoy many comforts. I enjoy boxing at Madison Square Garden. I enjoy wrestling. I enjoy seeing the occasional Muay Thai bout because I, I actually got to see one put on by the guys that take on Muay Thai, which actually have an event in December. I've seen many combat sports here, whether real or scripted, and it's always annoyed me that mixed martial arts can never get sanctioned in New York State, um, partly because our politicians are pieces of shit, 
but also because our politicians haven't found a way to line their pockets yet because the UFC as an entity refuses to bend over and take it in the ass from New York State. And as such, every time there's been legislation put in place for the UFC to become active and to sanction New York uh, mixed martial arts, it always falls through. And it's always because of bullshit. Either it falls through because... Uh, the politicians get annoyed or because somebody didn't get paid or because some old fogey comes out of a fucking retirement home to say that uh, mixed martial arts is human cockfighting, which is stupid. But these are the analogies that come up with mixed martial arts. Well, guess what? The UFC got tired of the bullshit and they decided, along with a group of, uh, put it like this, the UFC, some fighters, some fans and trainers have decided to file a lawsuit against New York state officials challenging the constitutional right of state laws well the constitu wow that's a terrible word the constitu the constitutionality there we go of the state law banning live professional mixed martial arts events the lawsuit was filed at the US district court for the southern district of New York state and it's challenging the ban for violating num numerous provisions in the United States con Constitution, including the First Amendment. I am stumbling like an idiot because I am wired on Zoom caffeine water and Monster Energy, so I apologize. But, as I was saying, the UFC, tired of, of, of having New York politicians stonewall them every time they want to get sanctioned, decided to bring the fight to the big boys themselves. I want to take this opportunity and really give the UFC their their kudos for that because these assholes that run our state are complete shitheads right from the governor right down to the fucking mayor they can't even control protesters for fucking occupy wall street and they're worried about whether mixed martial arts is should be banned or not honestly we are in a real low point here in new york state there's no fucking money special interest programs get cut everywhere summer youth employment gets cut care for the elderly gets cut after school programs get cut etc etc oh but you know we got to pay more for trains more for buses uh more for tons of other little perks that we get as new york residents while these shitheads in in you know in legislature in our in our freaking ugh, i can't i can't even i can't even put the words together to say that this needed to happen needed to happen it's it's a disgusting fact that i believe 46 states are able to have mixed martial arts events and new york city the mecca madison square garden cannot host one it can't i know De Silva's probably in there he can probably get that number for me if possible um but i think that i 46 states are are sanctioned with mixed martial arts and new york one of the biggest can't get it done because these fuckheads aren't getting the money they deserve the ban was originally imposed in 1997 when mma was unregulated and prohibited in many states but now obviously mma is highly regulated super popular and not for nothing can bring in over a million dollars in revenue not only that but some of the sports that we have here in New York aren't as safe as mixed martial arts. We got boxing, we got football, hell, we got professional bull riding. Somebody is riding around in Madison Square Garden with my steak dinner, and that's legal 
in New York State, but I can't go and watch two fuckers fight in a cage and punch each other in the face. But, you know, this guy riding around in a cowboy hat on my stake can perform in Madison Square Garden. It's bullshit. Simple as that. Not only that, but it's disturbing that I can watch Muay Thai and I can't watch that. I can't watch MMA. That's all I gotta say. In some other news regarding the UFC Japan card, which I kindly glossed over, uh, Showtime Anthony Pettis will be meeting Joe Lazan for UFC 144 in Japan. Also, Tim Bocek and Yushin Okami will be meeting as well. In some Bellator news, we got Bellator 58 this weekend with Eddie Alvarez defending his lightweight title against Michael Chandler. Hector Lombard will be doing a non-title fight, 195-pound contest against Trevor Prangley. You got Rafael Diaz and Marlon Sandro as well. Marlon Sandro is an awesome fighter to watch. He hasn't been performing up to speed yet in Bellator, but I have hope that Marlon Sandro is going to come in there and put work. If you want to watch the prelims, they'll be on Spike.com. Jessica Aguilar and Lisa Ellis Ward will be fighting on the Spike.com card. Brett Cooper, Jared Hess. Um, you also got Cosmo Alexander on that card. Fabio Mello. A lot of great fighters on the Spike card. Definitely check it out. Also, we have Strike Force, which will be, I believe, tomorrow evening. Strike Force Challengers. I really need to disable the sounds on my fucking iPad. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So, Bellator, Saturday, Seminole Hard Rock Casino, Hollywood, Florida, 9 p.m., I believe, MTV2. Strike Force Challengers tomorrow. Check your local listings for that. A lot of great fights from the Strike Force Challengers card. And we move into some other UFC news to close things out. Uh, UFC 140 is complete now. That's going to be taking place December 10th in Toronto's Air Canada Center. Toronto, where I'm sure De Silva will find a way to get in there. And trip Lyoto Machida on the way to the ring and possibly fight Steven Seagal. De Silva, we are pulling for you. Anyway, UFC 140, John Jones, Lyoto Machida, main event, Frank Mir. Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, Big Nog, co-main event, Little Nog versus Tito, Brian Ebersole, Claude Patrick, Mark Hominick, Chan Sun Jung are your pay-per-view fights on the prelims. Igor Porkryats against Christoph Szczynski. That's a whole lot of fucking consonants. And um, I'm surprised I didn't fuck up both of those guys' names. Jared Hammond and Konstantinos Filippou will also be fighting Dennis Hallman, John Mcdessey, uh, Yves Jabouin, and Wallel Watson, Mark Bocek, Nick Lentz, Rich Antonito, and Jake Hetch, and John Cholish and Mitch Clark will be fighting on the prelims for UFC 140. Again, that's December 10th, Toronto's Air Canada Center on pay-per-view. All right, guys, that's it. With the MMA, we're going to get into some wrestling, no commercial breaks. Let's get right to it. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Check it out, Andre, the giant muscle radio. Everyone has a price for us. All right, let's see here. We got TNA and their Turning Point pay-per-view, and usually I don't talk about TNA because they're fucking bullshit. Hulk Hogan and his stupid uh, 
jerk-off regime running that organization and just killing it from the inside. But there are certain things I want to discuss. Uh, there was a TV title match, Eric Young versus Robbie E, um, accompanied by Robbie T. Yes, there are two Robbies, and they are together in a tag team. Um, Eric Young lost the TV title, thank God, and Robbie E is your new TV champion. Three reasons why I am glad Eric Young lost a belt. Number one, I'm tired of his mountain man beard. I'm also tired of his semi-retarded gimmick. And frankly, I just don't give a fuck about Eric Young. I don't. He's not ent- entertaining. Zero amount of entertainment. I would rather watch paint dry, snails fuck, old people shit, and a one-legged man trying to hop upstairs are more entertaining than Eric Young. Eric Young, bullshit. TNA Tag Team Title Match. Mexican America with Sarita and Rosita against Ink Ink and Toxin. I expected Ink Ink to get the tag team titles. Did not happen. Figures that they want to keep the tag belts on the fake Mexicans because most of those guys and those girls in Mexican America are not Mexican. Sorry to break it to you folks, but this is professional wrestling. X Division title match. Austin Aries took on Jesse Sorensen and Kid Cash. I was, I'm a big fan of Aries. I love the way he presents himself in the ring. He's a great heel, fantastic shit talker. I felt that if he was going to lose the belt, then it should go to Kid Cash, who is just as awesome in the ring. Um, Austin Aries ended up keeping the belt in a very good match. He actually snuck in and stole the pin from Kid Cash. So I was actually impressed with the match. I'm starting to get impressed with Jesse Sorensen, Randy Orton 2.0, as I like to call him with his little tribal tattoo and his shitty bowl cut. But the kid is stepping his game up, and I expect big things. In the no DQ match with Rob Van Dam and Christopher Daniels, it was very, very, very competitive. These guys, great chemistry, great crowd reaction behind them, and I'm really hoping that they continue to uh, stretch out this feud. Christopher Daniels is an awesome, very underrated performer, and I think working with Rob Van Dam, it'll only help solidify his status as an upper mid-card and possible main eventer. Crimson and Matt Morgan was a complete clusterfuck, as I would have expected. Both guys wrestle fairly well, but they just, they have no chemistry. None. They have about as much chemistry as Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. Translation, good for a little bit, but in the long run, doesn't work out. That's what happened with Crimson and Matt Morgan. That match started off solid, but it just took a giant shit. It ended up being a DQ. Both guys got DQ'd, and it was a no contest. Mr. Anderson and Abyss, which was the most awkward pairing of the evening, took on Bully Ray and Scott Steiner in a match that got to see a Frankensteiner from Scott Steiner every time he does it. I expect him to fucking kill himself. Luckily, he didn't, but Mr. Anderson and Abyss took the pin in that match. The Knockouts title match had Velvet Sky and Gail Kim lock up. If any of you guys thought that Gail Kim was not getting that belt, once again, you do not know professional wrestling. While Velvet Sky is nice to look at, and she is a great marketing tool for TNA, her wrestling acumen and her wrestling ability still needs work. Gail Kim, they're just putting all the eggs in one basket by giving her the belt. Frankly, Gail Kim as a heel sucks. And I would have rather have seen Melina be a heel in TNA and Gail Kim be a face. Because frankly, I don't think Gail Kim has the chops to play the heel role. Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett, the Battle of the Jeffs, 
was about as entertaining as you would expect when you put these two guys together. Hardy coming in trying to prove that he is no longer a druggie. And the king of Mexico, Jeff Jarrett, I kid you not, that's what they're billing him as. You know, it was very formulaic. Jeff Hardy comes out wearing some weirdo fucking mask because that's what he does because he wants to be the weirdo of the organization. Um, came out, stole a quick pin from Jeff Jarrett. They did another match because why wouldn't they just do the first match? And they did a second one and Jeff Hardy won that one as well. Your TNA world title match saw Bobby Roode and AJ Styles. Of course, shenanigans were going to play out as was the case with Bobby Roode securing the victory with a roll-up by grabbing the tights. So Bobby Roode keeps the belt. AJ Styles is still in the contendership slot because here are some spoilers. Fast forward now. AJ Styles will be meeting Bobby Roode at the next pay-per-view in a 30-minute Iron Man match. Yes, because, you know, that's what we need. A 30-minute Iron Man match with a semi-injured AJ Styles. Sounds like a great time to be had by all. All right, let's go to Raw, because Raw was three hours of the WWE jerking off The Rock, because that's what it was. It was three hours of baiting and switching and bullshit. And as, as somebody who's watched wrestling pretty much the majority of his life, there are times when gimmicks grow stale. And I'm sorry that this will be one of those times where I have to say that The Rock's gimmick has gotten stale. He comes out, he cuts his typical promo, we got a nice welcome back from Mick Foley. Mick Foley came back to do the rehashed This Is Your Life on John Cena, which brought out The Rock, which ended with a rock bottom, wash, rinse, and repeat. Now, here's the thing I don't like about it. The Rock has been doing all his promo work, I guess, via satellite, and... While it is cute, because, you know, the guy's famous, it's just not, it's not selling the, 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 the importance of this event. Not so much the stupid-ass tag team match that's happening at Survivor Series, which is this weekend here in New York City, which still doesn't have MMA, but will, you know, Survivor Series at this point is just a lead-in for this WrestleMania match in April. And the problem with that is that The Rock is coming in cutting a few lines, disappearing the majority of the program, and then coming out at the end of the night. And the problem with that is that you make people sit there for three hours, and not to say that the wrestling was garbage, but the wrestling honestly wasn't that fucking great either. Which is, you know, it it, it left a lot to be desired when you're investing three hours of your evening into watching it. And I'll go into that a little bit more after I finish going through what other shit sucked on Raw. Uh, the Michael Cole Challenge. I'd like to find the writer who actually got approved this stupid fucking angle. And you know what I'd like to do? Throw hot coffee in his face and kick him in the nuts. And remind him that no one gives a fuck about announcers. I don't give a shit. I don't care if Jim Ross has Bell pa Bell's palsy, doesn't have Bell's palsy, fights Michael Cole, fights fucking, Jim, fucking Jerry Lawler, Fights a barbecue sauce hangover. I don't give a shit. How about this? Put JR in the chair. Have him call matches. You know, that's what he's there for. Take Michael Cole. Put him next to JR to call matches. Uh, you see where this is going. 
then you put Jerry Lawler next to them and you have I don't know a three man announce team that does I don't know core wrestling matches because that's what we want wrestling I don't give a shit about JR I don't it's like let's beat up the guy with the paralyzed face it's embarrassing I don't understand how they how they can do that in good conscience I know that JR approves it and he's like yeah you know I'll do it but you got to think this guy he's had a he's had I believe two surgeries He's got Bell's palsy, and he's not exactly young or a wrestler. And you're get, having him involved in all these stupid-ass angles and challenges. Why do you continue to do this to JR? It sucks. It's like the guy's a big joke, and Michael Cole is just as much of a douchebag for even allowing it to continue. He really should be like, yeah, I don't really want to do this angle. No one cares. Even though it's filler... It's still bullshit, especially when you got a three-hour Raw involved. By the time we got into wrestling, I would like to say that it was probably... Let's see, Raw started at 8. I don't think we got our first wrestling match till about 8.25 or so. And it was Sin Cara and Kofi Kingston. Sin Cara playing the role of Evan Bourne, since he is suspended, taking on Cody Rhodes and Unico. And it was, as you would expect... Cody Rhodes and Unico secure the victory via shenanigans. Sin Cara didn't fuck up too many moves, which is good. And I'm sure we're going to get another email sound within the next second or two because I heard my phone make a noise. There it is. And no, that's not Michael Cole emailing me. That's my iPad just making stupid noises. Anyway, my concern with this particular match is that if Kofi Kingston and his tag team partner aren't exactly a tag team, then why don't you put Kofi Kingston in singles matches and say that Evan Bourne got injured? Putting him in a tag match with Sin Cara against Cody Rhodes and Unico, there's no chemistry there, there's no existing history. The only feud that's going on is Unico and Sin Cara. Cody Rhodes is still kind of feuding with Randy Orton. So I don't understand why they just were like, oh, we need to get Parsnip on fucking television because... If you look at his logo, it really does look like a vegetable you pull out in Super Mario 2. And if you don't believe me, look, because it does. Anyway, it was an okay match. Unico was alright. There were some sloppy parts. Just because Kofi and Cody had no real chemistry going in. So there were a lot of parts in that match that really looked a little suspect. We get a glorified Santino segment, which leads into Vicky Guerrero and the rest of her fucking minions coming out. Dolph Ziggler cuts his douchey promo, which he's so great at doing, saying that he will be on Team Barrett for Survivor Series. Uh, they do a quick little match with Dolph Ziggler and Mason Ryan. Mason Ryan, a.k.a. Batista 2.0, moves about as robotic as you would expect. I think the robots from Real Steel had more movement than Mason Ryan had in his match. I was waiting for that motherfucker to tear a muscle, because he's just so ridiculously huge. But, um... It was very formulaic. Mason Ryan is still not green. He's just very robotic. He doesn't move fluid because he's ginormous. Moving on, we get the Mick Foley, John Cena, This Is Your Life. The Rock comes out, kills Mick Foley dead. Moving on. Sheamus, Jack Swagger. It was a battle of who is paler. Sheamus wins. Jack Swagger, your tanning sucks. Your wrestling, great. Your tanning, not so much. Kelly Kelly and Natalia was about as great as you would expect. I continue to say, Kelly Kelly is only good at three things right now. Wearing a bikini, smiling strangely, and having perfectly white, pearly teeth. 
That's what she's good at. Wrestling sucks. Her wrestling is terrible. She still needs to work on it. And putting her on TV every week because she's on the cover of Maxim isn't doing anybody any favors. Do you really think that some little 12-year-old kid isn't going to jerk off less because Kelly Kelly's not on TV? Let's not kid ourselves. We know it's still going to go down. Next match, you had Del Rio and Mark Henry taking on CM Punk and The Big Show. Uh, nice, get, nice bit of uh, foreshadowing there for Survivor Series. Uh, great pacing in that match. As always, Mark Henry continues to impress me, stepping his game up, looking like a legit threat. CM Punk is CM Punk, the best in the world. And Alberto Del Rio is, uh, I don't know. I don't really hate Alberto Del Rio. I just think that he doesn't, he hasn't hit his stride yet. I feel that he's two parts Ricardo Montalban and one part Rick Martel, and he still hasn't found himself. I think the whole rich Mexican aristocrat uh, fucking novella actor that he plays is just not the move. Like, he really needs a, he needs a small tweak to his gimmick. What it is, I personally don't know, but it needs to be taken care of. Santino comes out right after that, gets killed by Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash cuts a uh, uh, typical, I'm going to kill you, Triple H promo. Hopefully, I won't tear my leg in the process. Moving on, next week it was announced that Jonah Hill will be the guest host promoting The Sitter, starring his co-host, Fat Jonah Hill. Um, so yeah, Jonah Hill next week, promoting Fat Jonah Hill. That is your guest host for Raw. Woohoo. Randy Orton and Wade Barrett was actually surprisingly good. Everybody from the teams ran out, which is to be expected because it's the last Raw before Survivor Series. Pandemonium ensued. Everybody hit fucking finishers on each other. And it takes us to the end of the night. What do we get to close out the show for the pay-per-view? A promo. And sure, there was a nice little bit of a mini beatdown. And John Cena was prepping for the FU and the Rock snook in and he got the Rock bottom. But the only thing I can say is, who is the Rock's dietitian and can somebody get me his number? Because that motherfucker is shredded. I understand he's doing G.I. Joe and playing Roadblock, but holy shit, dude. You ate like 17 other Santinos to make up your left arm. It's it's ridiculous. And the problem is that The Rock is playing, you know, the, the Hollywood cocky rock, which doesn't really work in this particular angle. It just doesn't. And not only that, but he's using all that same shit he used in 1998. And that ship is come and gone. A lot of younger kids are like, who the fuck is this giant Samoan guy? And why does he constantly move his eyebrow? You have to do something more relevant. I actually felt that in the exchanges in this interview, John Cena was the better talker. Him and The Miz just did better. R-Truth can hold his own on the mic, and he's great, you know, with little Jimmy and little Rocky and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was fine. But I don't know, man. The Rock, your skirt's showing, bro. You need to fucking tighten up your gimmick and add a little bit of flair, a little bit of spice to it, because... Right now, you're getting schooled by a guy who's the modern-day equivalent of Hulk Hogan. I don't know. Food for thought. All right, let's get into the remaining wrestling news for the evening. First off, I want to wish a speedy recovery to James Harris. You may ask yourself, who the fuck is James Harris and why is Rich talking about him? James Harris is somebody who a lot of you have watched wrestle for years under his alter ego, Kamala. Now, Kamala, I'm sure you all know, is the Ugandan giant. 
came out with kimchi, rubbed his belly a lot, didn't speak, you know, and he's actually in a hospital because he had to have his foot amputated, primarily because of complications due to diabetes and high blood pressure, which, according to the article I read, and I love the, the way this was written, uh... James Kamala Harris, who worked for the Memphis Territory and WWF and WCW, had his foot amputated earlier this week due to complications from diabetes and high blood pressure. Okay, makes sense, right? Here's the part of the of the story where I just laughed to myself because it said, due to complications from diabetes, high blood pressure, effectively ending his career. Harris, age 61, is reportedly reportedly in good spirits following the surgery. Due to the amputation, his career as an an in-ring performer is over. So let's look at this from, from a perfectly logical angle. I am a wrestler. To wrestle, I need two arms and two legs. And something required a piece of my leg to get cut the fuck off. Which means, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I can't wrestle anymore. I don't, maybe without a fucking foot to stand on. I read this and I said, who wrote this? They should be punched right in the dick. Right in the dick. It's like, he had his foot amputated. We wish him the best. Easy as that. Not, he had his foot amputated. His wrestling career is over. Unless you're going to have wheelchair wrestling matches anytime soon, or who has higher blood glucose, his career was over the minute they sawed his foot off. Stop the bullshit, guys. Write better fucking articles. I wish Kamala the best. He entertained me many times as a kid. Um, His gimmick was timeless. Everybody knew who Kamala was. As soon as you heard that African drum beat, you know what time it was. Business was going to pick up with Kim Chi. And um, it sucks, you know. Diabetes is a motherfucker. I mean, one of my favorite comedians, Patrice O'Neill, suffers from diabetes. He had a stroke recently, and he's been on the shelf. So want to take a moment, send a quick get well to the always funny Patrice O'Neill. But yeah, Kamala got his foot cut off. The Ugandan giant is no more. In some other news, I talked about Henry Godwin being in the hospital last week, drove his car allegedly off a cliff. Um, it seemed, he seems to be improving. They're saying that he, as of right now, is being kept comfortable so that his punctured lungs can heal. He's doing as well as can be expected, but they're saying he's not gonna die. So, we, we can, we can rest on that. The PW Insider reported that Christian suffered a high ankle sprain and was pulled from the Survivor Series pay-per-view, so Christian is on the shelf. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about this particular bit of information. During Survivor Series this weekend, we will be seeing Eve Torres, another Kelly Kelly, who is a little better than regular Kelly Kelly, take on Beth Phoenix. And the match they're going to have is a Lumberjill match. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what the fuck is a Lumberjill match? It is pretty much like a Lumberjack match. So, that's the women's, uh, the WWE Divas title match with Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres. Lumberjill match, which I guarantee you will end with all the women fighting. And in some other female wrestling news, I wanted to talk about TNA and just tell them that 
just because it worked for WWE, just because it worked for WWE doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And that is that they will be doing a lingerie match, I believe, for the Thanksgiving episode of Impact. So um, be on the lookout for that. So if you want to see scantily clad women beat each other up, Impact. I believe that's your Thanksgiving gift right before Black Friday. With that said, I'm actually going to take a real commercial break this time. When we get back, we're going to talk some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter. Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on All Games. All right. Video games. Saints Row came out a couple of days ago. Season Pass, 1999. Downloadable content coming real fast at you. You're going to get a Nightblade DLC pack and three missions packs. So I recommend you pick it up. The Season Pass, you're going to get, like I said, Nightblade DLC, which will give you the Genki Bowl. That's going to be available in January. They're going to also give you Gangsters in Space. (laughs) Winter 2012 release for that DLC. The Trouble with Clones, which is pretty much me and my nephew. Uh, Spring 2012. In addition to that, you're going to get the Nightblade Mobile, which will give you the Blood Red Vampire Hunting Sports Car. You're going to get an Altar Boy outfit. I'm sure uh, Sandusky will like that. The Bloody the Bloody Canunis outfit. Uh, Bloody Canunis Bike. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Season Pass, DLC from our buddies at Saints Row, 1999. DLC starts in January and will take you through to, take you through 2012, spring 2012 and winter. You're gonna get all that stuff. You're gonna get cars, outfits, and missions as well. Now, in something that should come as no surprise, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, huge numbers, huge. To the point of sheer ridiculousness. Activision announced that the game sold 6.5 million units on the first day. Making it the biggest day one sale ever. Ever. Overall, $400 million were made. Topping Modern Warfare 2 and Black Ops. Modern Warfare 2 making $310 million. Black Ops making three hundred and sixty. Activision also went on to announce that in terms of five-day record sales, this game takes the cake. The game has sold $775 million worldwide. That's $100 million more than Black Ops did in five days. Last but not least, Modern Warfare 3 broke Xbox Live records with 3.3 million gamers playing on November 8th. Now, Madden Warfare 3... Oops, sorry. Modern Warfare 3 is... um. This is this goes into something that I really wanted to, to discuss in a future episode, but it's the fact that a $60 game, which 
has a shelf life, I'd say of about a year, maybe a year and a half, depending on DLC, makes $775 million. Million. $775. Just, just let that sink in. The fact that 3.3 million people logged in on November 8th to play this game is staggering. Regardless of whether it's a glorified roster update, and I say that with quotes, um, Modern Warfare 3 succeeds because the Call of Duty name raises money. And if you think that this will be the last Call of Duty Modern Warfare game, you're out of your fucking mind. Now, Slick makes a valid point. Slick feels that GTA 5 will kill this record. And... In, in some respects, I'm inclined to agree with him, but I also take into consideration the fact that every time these these Call of Duty games come out... Um, oh, sorry about that. I re Let me retract my statement. Slick was referring to Saints Row 3 in that, so I apologize for misquoting Slick. But um, the fact that a $60 game can generate more revenue than a movie that requires millions and millions of millions of dollars really shows you that when the right amount of energy is focused on entertainment, whether it's a roster-updated Madden or a prettier coat of paint Call of Duty, it is exponentially better than anything in the fucking theater, which is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that a game can outsell a movie that has to pay for actors, sets... On location, release, distribution, um, home video release. There's so many other fees and, and ludicrous amounts of money involved to get a movie from production to your home. It's, it's, it's madness. And the fact that a $60 game can come in and just crush the hopes and dreams of any filmmaker out there is insane. It's insane, but it also, it also shows that if something is done right and the fans get behind it, it will be successful. The only thing I can hope is that Modern Warfare 4 takes a little bit more of an approach of moving the series forward instead of just giving it graphic updates and a glorified coat of paint. I don't play Modern Warfare. I don't play Call of Duty. I'm going to try to just to see what all the hype is about. But the majority of these games, in my, uh, in my humble opinion, all look the same. You're a soldier and you shoot shit. That's it. Quick scoping, stabbing people with knives. It sounds like every other game I've played, but I want to see what the hype is about. And eventually I'll sit down and I'll play it. And I may even go online and get shot a few times just in the name of science. But $775 million is nothing to laugh at. Now, you can take the next bit of gaming news as what the fuck gaming news. You can even take it as something that is obviously a no-brainer. I'm sure that Slick is going to hear this and he may call in. I am hoping that Dark Helmet will also share his input about this. And that regard, and this is in, in regards to Zelda games. You guys are going to get your keyboards ready for this. Zelda producer Eiji Aonuma recently told Games Radar that Shigeru Miyamoto has recently been talking about revisiting 2D Zelda games, including A Link to the Past. 
and recreating the 2D graphics in 3D. He was unclear, however, if Miyamoto meant taking on a full-blown polygonal version of the game or just taking the existing graphics and adding 3D effects. So, I'm going to take a deep breath for this because in countless episodes of My Take Radio, going back, I'd say about six months, I've talked about the bullshit that is the 3DS. Not because of the revolutionary 3D technology, but because the system's success hinges on remakes and, and old titles with fresh coats of paint. Now, Slick has been reviewing Super Mario 3DS, and regardless of whether it's a new IP or an IP that's got a fresh coat of paint, it's still relying on your existing franchises to give you your success. And people are going to start seeing through that. And it's insane that they would really want to go and bring out all these new Zelda games and not move the series forward. You'd rather not sit down and try and put together a brand new game giving people something to give a fuck about because it's ten times easier to revisit 2D graphics and put them on the 3DS. Now, to go with what Slick is saying in the chat, Super Mario will always be good. There's very few times that Super Mario has ever sucked. Maybe the first stupid Mario Sunshine with the water pack. I have a love-hate relationship with that game, but... My, my prime concern is that you don't work on evolving your existing properties forward. You continue to just repaint, refresh, and repackage the same shit. And it's sad to me, only because these characters, there's so much more to them, there's so many more stories you can possibly tell. I understand that the Wii is on its last legs and you guys are preparing for the Wii U, and I understand that the 3DS, you lost a ton of money on it, and you're trying to capture lost glory, but as, as a customer, I feel that you're really beating everybody over the fucking head. By, by re-releasing these games with fresh coats of paint that are going to be in 3D. Regardless of the fact, it's the equivalent of taking a game, buying it when you were younger, buying it again on a Super Nintendo, buying it again on a Nintendo 64 because they re-released it, and then buying it another time on the Wii. Now you're going to make people buy the same game on the 3DS. We've all done it. For various reasons, whether we love a particular game or not. But we've all done it. I'm guilty of it with Street Fighter. I've bought every incarnation of Street Fighter in some shape, way, or form on every system I've owned because I like giving Capcom my money. But I acknowledge that. It's just sad to me that they're willing to do this and not move shit forward. It's unfortunate and it boggles my mind that they would really entertain this when there's so many more stories you can tell. Simple as that. The other bit of gaming news that you can consider... Kind of what the fuck gaming news are with regards to the PS Vita. And many of you that are contemplating picking up this system probably own a PSP in some shape or form and are asking yourselves, hey, I got a ton of UMDs collecting dust here. What am I going to do with them? Well, guess what Sony's decided? Sony wants you to rebuy those games. Oh, yes, they do. Here's the scoop. Sony has recently announced 
that they are releasing a UMD Passport program that will allow PSP owners to download an application that registers their UMD games and gives them a discount on said games in the Vita's digital store. The price of repurchasing the games will vary, but it'll go between 500 to 1,000 yen, or 6 to 13 dollars, and can go as high as 31. As of right now, this application's only been announced for Japan, but it is expected that Sony will announce the same thing for the US and Europe in the coming months. So, let me get this straight. I have my UMDs. They're collecting dust with my PSP that is a paperweight. I decide, hey, I'm going to buy myself a fucking Vita because maybe Sony finally got their thumb out of their ass to do the right thing. So what do I do with all my UMDs which are sitting here? Oh yeah, let me register them and buy them all over again because that's what I want to do with my fucking money. I've just been informed that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him on because I'm probably going to lose my voice yelling about this. So... Let's go to Slick. Slick, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? You tell me, dude. Nintendo is fucking us in the ass, and Sony is providing the lube. Well, I'll start with Nintendo. I mean, seems like every week I'm talking about double dipping, and with Nintendo, with Miyamoto talking about releasing the Zelda's in 3D, you know what? Fuck you. I, I mean, I got into Zelda a little late in the game. Honestly, my first Zelda game was Ocarina of Time. But at this point, I think I've owned all of the Zeldas. And my thing is, I really can't see, I mean, it would probably seem like a different game to put the very first Zelda in 3D. Considering it was like a, a top-down view 2D game. You would have to pretty much completely redo the game. Right. That might be worth seeing. Would I pay $40 for it? Hell no. So that's why I'm saying it's probably not worth doing. It's worth seeing, but it's not worth doing because I sure wouldn't pay, you know, full 3DS price for it, and I sure as I wouldn't pay full Wii price for it. Okay. But don't you think that... Let's take a character like Zelda and and Link. Those are characters whose games span hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of gameplay. And I honestly feel that there's probably so many other stories you can tell. I mean, you've told young Link stories, teenage Link stories, old Link stories. Why can't you expand on that universe and find new adversaries for him to fight, new villains for him to deal with? And just move the stories forward. It just seems like they take the easy way out by slapping either a 3D coat of paint or redoing a game that's already been played. And I don't give a shit if you're like, yeah, but you know, bro, for nostalgia. No, fuck nostalgia. I need my fucking money in my pocket. How about that? Nostalgia isn't going to put food on my table, pay my light bill, or put gas in my car. Nintendo is using the same tired-ass strategy they've used for the last five years. Sure, the nostalgia gets people to buy the Wii, but guess what a lot of them are doing now? Collecting dust. It's it's appalling that they really would contemplate just fucking us in the ass more than they've already done. 
I know after the last Zelda game came out, there was like this picture that came out showing Link like in a futuristic setting and people got crazy about it thinking, you know, they're going to do something revolutionary with Legend of Zelda. But they released Skyward Sword, which I guarantee is going to be an excellent game, but it is still basically the same shit. <laughs> and that's my fault. Yeah, that's your phone this time. But uh, it's just, I don't understand why Nintendo, which has such a great stable of characters, you got Donkey Kong, you got Kirby, you got Link, you got Mario, e- even Sonic to an extent. I got, uh, here's, a, here's a crazy fucking idea. Why don't you work with Sega, make a game with Mario and Sonic that's not them at the fucking Olympics? I don't really give a shit if Sonic can toboggan or not, or if Mario can wear snowshoes. I can give two shits. How about making one where Bowser gets tired of getting his ass whooped by Mario and has a sit-down with Dr. Eggman, and they decide, hey, let's put our forces together and take out these two motherfuckers while we can. And you can make a completely new universe with mechanized Koopas and, you know, a mechanized clown ship for Bowser, eight Koopa kids that when you kill them, rings come out, depending on which character you're using. You can throw Tails in there and fucking Yoshi. Why don't you do that? Why don't you why don't you take a universe like Mario and since you already take him and Sonic to the fucking Olympics and you send them out on double dates together, why don't you just fucking do something like that which will help move shit forward? Common sense ain't common. Thank you. MTR where common sense is common and for everywhere else it's not. <laughs> How about this? Some people get the hint. Some people don't. I got a good one for you. Dark Helmet mentions Luigi in the chat. What happens if Luigi gets tired of playing second banana and aligns himself with with Bowser? And you have to play the game with Wario and Mario. Imagine that. Imagine playing a Mario game with Mario and Wario as your protagonists and Waluigi and Luigi working with Bowser as your antagonists in the game. People yeah, would I people would gobble that shit up. Problem with that is Luigi's a bitch. Exactly, but imagine doing something where you know, where, like I said, Nintendo storytelling at its finest. You know, Mario goes off to save the world, and I'm stuck here. And, you know, Bowser's like, hey, you know, I appreciate you. I fought you countless times, and I'm more scared of you than I am of your brother. You know, like, you can do so much, and you can make the storytelling so much deeper, and and give people a new layer of adventure. Why not? Why don't you give the fans something they don't expect, instead of, Getting a fire flower and shooting fireballs. Oh, let me put on this raccoon costume. Oh, look, it's a hat that makes me fly. whoop the fucking do Give us something new. Take our old favorites. And if you're going to keep them around, give us something that makes us look at them differently. Oh, you never know. Maybe they're finally starting to get something right because there is a part in... In um, the new Mario game, I mean, the, the, the end of, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but the ending is 
kind of dramatic. Like the actual gameplay is different from what you normally have to do fighting Bowser. Okay, fair and, enough. Um, there's actually homage to Donkey Kong in there. There you go. How about that? Why don't you make a game where you play as Mario and Donkey Kong taking on Bowser and the Cruel Empire, which are fucking alligators anyway? You see what I'm saying? Why, like, like take those characters and put them to work. Put them to work. Make something up. So, thank you. Fucking have Andros take over the Mushroom Kingdom and Mario and Star Fox fly fucking ships. I, I don't give a shit. I don't care if Slippy the Frog is riding on fucking Yoshi shooting fireballs at Koopas. Give me something. Give me something that'll make point, me want I mean, to invest you got, money. You got Super Mario Galaxy. You can have me either run into Star Fox or freaking... What's the name? From Metroid. Samus. Samus, w- Samus would definitely be crazy, but to, to keep it cartoonish, I would use the more cartoonish characters. But you can do... So- why don't you do a game with Captain Falcon and, and not do it based on F-Zero, which is a property that hasn't gotten any love? Why don't you do a game similar to Metroid, but with Captain Falcon as your protagonist? Wh- where, where are these ideas, and why isn't Nintendo using them? Like you said... No common sense. You got all this shit out there that you can do so much with. But no, we're going to get Mario and Luigi speed dating on the DS. That's what we're going to get. Or, you know, Sonic makes quesadillas. I think if you did a game with Chapter Falcon, it would have to be something ridiculous like God Hand, just because everybody's <laughs> going to going, Falcon Punch! Oh my God, God Hand. That's a good reference. But seriously, why don't you bring back F-Zero? Why don't you put Mario Kart down, you know, take your hand off Mario's ball bag, and bring out a different racing game that people will still play? How about that? Bring back F-Zero. It has more originality than, than the people in Japan because they actually put Mario and Luigi into the GTA world and, and Resident Evil. I got an idea. Why don't you bring back and th- and this is hacky as shit, but it's different. Why don't you bring back Excite Bike with motion controls, where you use the Wii Mote and you flick it up to make the ju- the bikes jump, and then if you use a steer the steering wheel and you l- tilt the steering wheel forward, it gives the bike gas. Give me something, man. At this point, I'll even take a reboot of Gyromite with the fucking Rob the Robot. I'll take that. Give me something. But holy but shit. They kind of beat them to that with, with um, what's the name, Mod Nation Racers. Yeah, but Mod Nation Racers, everybody has a love-hate relationship with that game. Everybody thought, let's take Little Big Planet, make it racing with all the uh, character, with all the, you know, content that can be created by uh, platform owners. And it just, it was it was met with mixed results. I mean, I like what they did, but I, it just didn't take off the way they had expected. Which is unfortunate. But I did want to ask you, and, and you know, I'll keep you on for this because I want, want you to help me wrap this up. The, uh, the UMD passport, how do you feel about it? Because I know you, oh, you... I, wanted to, I wanted to blow up on that. <laughs> sure. Let's rebuy like, the games we already own. I paid 30 to $40 for your fucking games that you made obsolete 
by removing the UMD trace on even the original PSP. And now you want me to pay again for the games I already own. I don't care if you give it to me for a dollar. Fuck you. If I already own it, I should get it for free. Thank you. Put the games there on the PSN, just like you do everything else. Give it a price tag. But if I have, if I own it, if I have the freaking code from whatever's on the, the disc or some way of identifying that I have, you know, a copy of it, you know, a, a legal copy of it, like something from the manual or something, I should get that shit for free. Well, the way I see it, they got to give the UMD something because, you know, everybody has has a stack of useless mini discs, so they might as well give them something to do with them. But I just don't like the fact that you still have to pay for shit you already own. It's it's disheartening, and it's really a blemish on the Vita because everybody that has all their UMD games, and guess what happens? You're going to go to LameStop, and you're going to be like, hey, I got these UMDs, and GameStop's going to go, hey, we're going to give you a quarter apiece for them because that's what we do. And what are you going to do? Take the game that you paid 40 bucks for, for a console that pretty much was a paperweight, and now you're going to get 25 cents. Why? Because the useless mini-discs are exactly that. Useless. And it's like, how about this? Again, we're doing their work. Sony says this. Send us your fucking useless UMDs. We'll send you little drop cards like we put in these games for you that has a little code on the back. You put it in your PS3 or online at the PlayStation Network, and there's your game for free. There you go. How about you lose the disc, but you get the shit back for free. There you go. Or, or even, here's one, if you have a local Sony store in, in your area... You do a UMD trading program like they did with the fucking Blu-rays, the DVDs. You trade them fuckers in. But don't don't make people pay, man. It's 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 so disingenuous and so fucked up. Well, when I, I wanted to keep you on for this next story because you know I saw the commentary that you had on the Facebook fan page uh, regarding Battlefield and Call of Duty, and the MPD numbers came out for the month of October. Now you obviously know that a ton of great games came out in the month of October. What do you think was the number one best-selling game for the month of October? Probably fucking Modern Warfare. For October, for October. Oh, for October? Yep. What do you think? I would think... I would think Batman. You would think Batman. Unfortunately... It was Battlefield 3. Battlefield 3 outsold Batman Arkham City. And I'll just break it down. The EA shooter sold about 2 million units. Arkham City sold 1.5. How insane is that? Which is by no means bad, but I mean... Mm-hmm. I would rather play the same shit over and over again versus, I don't know, play an engaging story with good gameplay and, you know, replayability. Well... Here's the rest of the MPD totals, which are just going to blow your mind. The number three most purchased game was NBA 2K12, which obviously is a great substitute for no basketball this season. Uh, number four was Rage. 
Number five was Just Dance 3. Number six was Dark Souls. Number seven was Dat Madden. Forza Motorsport 4 was 8. Gears of War 3 was 9. And FIFA Soccer 12 was 10. Microsoft reported that they sold 393,000 Xbox 360s. That's a 20% increase. Nintendo sold 200 over 250,000 3DS units. Crazy shit. They sell next week because they have bundles. They have two 3DS bundles. One comes with Zelda. One comes with uh, Mario 3D Land, and it's one hundred and seventy-nine dollars. Which means you basically get the game for ten bucks. This is true, but here's here's a factor that that nobody's considering. Modern Warfare 3, Battlefield 3, Batman Arkham City, Uncharted 3 will all be $30 Black Friday. All of them. Unfortunately, I already own Batman, but I might try to pick up Uncharted. They're all going to be 30 bucks. so you know what that means. Everybody that missed the boat on Battlefield and Modern Warfare 3 will be able to pick both of them up for the price of one. Which means that the MPD numbers for the month of November are going to look like a crime scene. Pretty much. Because NBA 2K12 will also be thirty bucks. I heard Gears Three is already thirty bucks in some stores, so it, it's it's going to be insane. And Connect is trying to make a huge push by giving you the Connect for ninety nine dollars on Black Friday with three games. None of which I care anything about. Yeah, well, it's fucking Fruit Ninja, yeah. Gunstringer, and and Connect Adventures. How much? Wait, wait, I gotta ask. How much is Fruit Ninja retail for? I don't know. Ten bucks, maybe fifteen. It's a fucking crime. <laughs> I got that game for free on my fucking phone. You and you and me both. You uh, slash your damn finger across the damn cell phone screen. They want you to pay ten dollars for that? I believe so. Well, here here's the last bit of gaming news to tie things up. Dead Island is getting some DLC. The Bloodbath Arena DLC is going to come out November 22nd. The DLC was free to people that had pre-ordered the game. It's going to cost you 10 bucks or 800 Microsoft points. You're going to get four new arenas for single player or co-op. You're also going to get survival mode as well. In some other pre-order news, Asura's Wrath will be getting exclusives for pre-ordering on Amazon and on and at Best Buy. From Amazon, you're going to get the Devastator Pack, which will reduce damage and fill the unlimited Rage Gauge more quickly. So I'll probably be pre-ordering from Amazon because who doesn't love unlimited Rage? (laughs) Best Buy is offering the Infinity Pack, which will allow you to recover from overheating more quickly. Uh, I'm sure that probably factors into the Rage Gauge. And it will allow you to spend more time in unlimited Rage. (laughs) If you pre-order it from LameStop, you'll get the combination art with a comic book from Penny Arcade. You're going to get concept art, and then you're going to get some stuff for Penny Arcade as well. And lastly, the plastic isn't even fully recycled for Assassin's Creed, and there's already DLC coming out for it. The DLC titled The Ancestor's Character Pack 
will add four new characters to the multiplayer uh, section of the game. The Privateer, the Corsair, the Brigand, and the Gladiator. Each character will have, you know, unique taunts and weapons and stylized assassination moves. It's going to cost you 300 and mic- 320 on the Microsoft Point side of things or 399 on the PSN on the PSN side. Do you even give a shit about Assassin's Creed at this point? I mean, I have a few of them. I haven't really gotten to play them yet. I I really am interested in playing the story mode, not any kind of multiplayer. And really, it, it gets to the point that for me, most multiplayer games are, you know, kill somebody, watch, rinse, repeat. And it's just, I don't know, for some reason, unless I'm playing with a group of people I know, it just holds no interest to me whatsoever because, okay, let's say I'm in a, a room with 10 people I don't know and I just happen to be the best out of the 10. Yeah, I can talk a lot of shit, but I'm talking shit to people I don't even know. That really means nothing to me. No, I understand what you mean 100%. So that, that's why generally games like Battlefield and Modern Warfare 3 don't appeal to me because... Even though there's a bunch of people I know that do play it, generally the times where I get to play something like that, they're not on. Makes perfect sense. Because to me, bragging rights means nothing if the people you're bragging to don't know you. No, you do have a point. I think that the worst part is that the bragging rights don't really do much, you know? Yeah, but it's like, again, unless you're playing with your friend, it's like you're talking shit to the air. This is true. It might as well be. Yeah, which is unfortunate, you know? I think that at the end of the day, people are going to wonder where shit like that went wrong, you know? Well, I mean, it's a small move by them to add the multiplayer to Assassin's Creed because it's it's really up to their numbers. But again, it doesn't appeal to somebody like me. I'm not knocking it, but I'd rather play the story mode. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have I have no issue with it. The last bit of movie news is, uh, I mean, movie news. I'm already skipping ahead. Gaming news involves Skyrim. Seven million units were already shipped, and they're expecting to make four hundred and fifty million dollars off the units um more than 50 percent of the units were sold in the first 48 hours in north america europe and australia yeah um with skyrim i know a lot of people that are really into the elder Scrolls. that that game is gonna gonna be breaking some records too i mean the commercial for that is sick and they're talking about there are no um there are no pointless missions in that game. Everything is rewarding and everything means something towards, like, progression in the game. So they, they're basically saying no filler. Which makes perfect sense to me. So, I, don't... I mean, I really look to see how well that game does, and I know it's going to do very well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. It's going to do fantastic. 
I think the worst part of it is is that the the Skyrim series and the game itself came out during a time when there was an increasingly large amount of competition between, you know, both FPS games, Uncharted and Arkham City. I think if Skyrim would have even had uh, at least a month to themselves, they probably would have even sold more units because there's so much presentation involved, you know? I think they were counting on the fact that it's the only game of its kind coming out right now. I mean, that's a valid point. I think that they they really didn't expect it to do as well as it did, but you know what can you do? Like I, I think it was even though it wasn't the creators who said it, it was a, a game magazine. I think it was a really bad move for Saints Row Three in their commercial to put that blurb where they say LGTA GTA because you're releasing this game at least a year out from when GTA Five comes out and. Rockstar has gone on record saying, you know, we're not competing with Saints Row. Like I said, in a, a couple of weeks ago, if they do their thing, we do our thing. Now you basically, you're wagging your dick in their face. Pretty much. So, you have a game that was literally just announced, and all they've done is show, you know, the graphics engine. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I mean, that there's going to be a lot of um, moments in that game that are shitting on Saints Row. I wouldn't even doubt it. I think that there's going to be a lot of moments where they're going to come out and really just. I, I mean, the creation station for Saints Row was fun, and I got to mess around with that. And I think Saints Row would be is is a great uh, a great departure from the conventional with regards to sandbox games, but I just don't feel that Saints Row is, is in the same category, I feel, to GTA. Other than the open-world environment, you're dealing with two different animals. You know, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, because Saints Row is, I want to fuck around. Right. GTA is, I want to play an actual game, and occasionally I want to fuck around while I do so. I agree. I mean, it makes sense to me. I think that, um... Skyrim was a game that probably is hurt by so many other good games out there. Everybody said great things about Skyrim. Everybody said, you know, fun things about Saints Row. I just feel that this one-two punch of so many great releases is going to end up doing more harm than good because customers are not going to know where to spend all their money and at the end of the day when all these games finally get cut in price like black friday i guarantee you most of these games are going to get a ton of more hits because they become more affordable options think about the fact that there are people out there that genuinely just paid 60 bucks for arkham city 60 bucks for uncharted 60 bucks for battlefield and 60 bucks for call of duty i'm sure it's insane. And they're probably really pissed because they're seeing those Black Friday ads right now. Exactly, because that's that's the worst part. But at the retailer gets to sit there and say, hey, guess what? We got your money, so fuck you very much. Which, you know, it's fine. But when when you when you look at it after the fact, you say to yourself, damn, this is bullshit. I mean, I'm saying it and... I know for a fact that there's no way in hell I would have waited from October 18th to, what, November 26th for Batman. And I'm saying it to myself, shit, I mean, I basically paid 
$70 more than what it's going to be next Friday because I got the collector's edition. Right, but see, you had an incentive to get it because you wanted to invest money in that collector's edition. And I'm a fiend. And but I also, I mean, I'm not one of those people who bought all four of those games. I mean, before before Arkham City, the last game I paid any real money on was Infamous 2. There you go. That came out, the, you know, the, around the start of the summer. Yeah, well, I'm, I think Black Friday is going to open a lot of eyes and a lot of pockets. And a lot of games that... <clears throat> we're kind of on the threshold in terms of sales are going to see huge boosts. You were, I guarantee you when we look at the MPD numbers next month, Battlefield will be on there. Modern Warfare will be on there. Uncharted will be on there. Batman will definitely be on there. Saints Row will be on there. So you're going to see that increased sales volume. And when you look at the hardware, I guarantee you that connect units at $100 will definitely be a factor. Other thing that's going to open eyes, which I, I hope it already is opening eyes, is that again with the economy still being in a shitter, people aren't buying games as much. I mean, we were, we talked about a little while, a couple of months ago, the Spider-Man Edge of Time game. That game came out like a week or two before Batman, and you know it's a. It's a way for a PS3 and 360 game, so it costs $60. That game's already down to $40 in most stores. I think I saw Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions on Black Friday listings for 15 bucks. Well, that's Shattered Dimensions. That came out last year. No, I know, but it's just crazy that that was a game that you would have expected would have a decent shelf life, and it's $15. Well, Shattered Dimensions has had a better shelf life than Edge of Time. This is true. There was also a better story. It's is barely a, a month old, and it's already seen price drops. I don't know, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting holiday season. Um, I think that's I it. I think developers and see they need to put out better shit. This is true, also. But while 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 you know you look at numbers from Call of Duty, it kind of negates that. Like, think about it. Somebody's going to be like, oh, you know, well, if we do a good game and we just add a little bit more polish and a couple of other things like jets and, and you know, tanks, then we'll make millions of dollars more. Who knows? That's sad. It's like, you can be lazy and make shitload of money. Well, we shall see how it pans out. Do you have anything else to add, my friend? That's uh, good for the games, man. All right, brother, we are going to go into the movie segment, and uh, I'm sure you're going to love some of the stuff we're going to talk about with that. All right, man. All right, homie. Thanks. Peace. With that, we're going to take a commercial break. When we get back, movie news right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling. So, Jason, uh, what, what? I mean, what? What are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? Boys and girls of every- 
stuff going on and we're gonna open it up with what the fuck movie news and i'm sure that you guys will love this warner brothers is moving ahead with a planned lego movie i kid you not variety reports that the studio is working with animal logic famous for happy feet and legends of the guardian on the movie which will be a live action animated hybrid film which will be released in 2014. The movie will be an action-adventure set in the world made up of Legos. Casting will begin in January. So, let me get this straight. We got Smurfs, Chipmunks, Where's Waldo, possibly, Carmen Sandiego, Battleship, and now we're going to do a movie about Legos. Why don't you do a movie about Shrinky Dinks? How about we do a romantic comedy where the Easy Bake Oven is the main thing? I got an idea. Let's do a live-action My Buddy and Kid Sister movie where Adam Sandler dresses up as My Buddy and dresses up as his sister, Kid Sister. Oh, wait a minute. That's been done already because this is the kind of shit that Hollywood shits out of its proverbial ass. And then you wonder why $775 million went to a video game. This is why, you fucking assholes. A Lego movie? Seriously? Come on, man. I, I understand that, that things, are, things are a little tight out there, but a Hollywood movie? I mean, a, a Lego movie Hollywood? Come on, guys. Fuck you. How about this? Why don't you guys... Just go into the porno theaters and get your ideas from there. Why don't you go to Johnny's Jack Shack and make Edward Penis Hands? Because that's where it's going. You guys are out of so many ideas. That Why don't you just do that? Why don't you make a big screen adaptation of Edward Penis Hands and just call it Edward Peepee Hands and just blur out half of the movie? I guarantee you it will be more entertaining than a movie about fucking Legos. And I'm sure kids are going to eat it up because that's the demographic you want. You want the kids to yell at mommy and daddy to go and buy the Lego toy based on the Lego movie that's based on the Lego toy. How's that How's that for a mind fuck? Mom, mom, buy this toy. Buy me this Lego based on the movie about Legos. How about it? Seriously, it's... Uh... But you know what? This is only this is only the tip of the iceberg. Let's move on. Colin Firth is going to be in the English language remake of Old Boy. Firth will be playing the villain Adrian and he will star opposite Josh Brolin. The film, the American adaptation of Old Boy is being directed by Spike Lee. For those of you not familiar, Old Boy is a remake of Chan Woo Park's 2003 Korean film. I've seen Old Boy. It is a fantastic film. I'm very, 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 very nervous about Spike Lee directing this movie. And I'm even more nervous about Josh Brolin playing the protagonist. 
particularly because Old Boy is a film that really doesn't need an American version. But it's Hollywood, folks. Box office totals. Immortals, no-brainer, number one, $75 million. People paid money to see Jack and Jill. That's all I got to say. They paid money. It was number two. Even though it was the worst-reviewed film in Adam Sandler's career, it made $26 million. So $26 million were actually shelled out for a movie that was pretty much a Saturday Night Live skit. That's what it was. A Saturday Night Live skit. That's all it was. Number one. Number two. Well, number one being Immortals. Number two being this. Puss in Boots dropped to number three, $25.5 million. Tower Heist dropped to number four. It should have dropped to number ten, in my opinion. Number five, Clint Eastwood's J. Edgar. Number six, Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Number seven, In Time. Number eight, Paranormal Activity 3. Number nine, Footloose and Real Steel rounded things off at number 10. Obviously, we got Twilight this weekend, so let's not even discuss what number one will be next week. Speaking of Tarsim Singh and the Immortals movie, he actually discussed the possibility of making a Samurai Jack film. When asked about it, he said, I love Samurai Jack, it's brilliant. The speed, it embraces where it comes from. I find that comic strip films are halfway grounded. They don't play my chord, but I love Samurai Jack, I love the animation. Originally, Brett Ratner was scheduled to make Samurai Jack, but you know, rehearsing is for fags, according to Brett Ratner, so I'm sure that he has no intention of doing Samurai Jack. So the project ended up dying, and now Tarsim Singh is entertaining bringing Samurai Jack to the silver screen. If he does Samurai Jack the same way he did Immortals, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. Now, here's another piece of what the fuck movie news. You can classify this as partially a rumor right now. For the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing Akira being made live action for U.S. audiences. Garrett Hedlund has been rumored as the, as the role for Canada and... Obviously, they've been whitewashing the shit out of this movie, which will no longer take place in Neo-Tokyo, but instead will take place in Manhattan. But here's the best part. Another cast member is rumored to have been finalized. I don't know how true this is, but it is rumored that Kristen Stewart has been offered the female lead of K in the live-action version of Akira. The K character, as many of you know, is the romantic interest of Kaneda and a member of the of the biker gang in the cyberpunk dystopia. So yeah, Akira, Kristen Stewart, Garrett Hedlund. Just just let that sink in, and we'll get back to it. How about that? The next bit of what the fuck movie news: Universal Studios is planning on bringing Woody Woodpecker to the big screen. Obviously, with the success of Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Smurfs. It was only a matter of time before Woody Woodpecker got the big screen treatment. Universal's Animation House, Illumination Entertainment will oversee the project. Universal is currently in talks with John Outshuler and Dave Krinsky, who did Blades of Glory of all films, to write the script. The plan as of right now is to modernize the character while at the same time launching a franchise. Woody Woodpecker first came on screen in 1940, and then Universal bought the rights in 1985. I, you know, 
these are move these are movies that are just being done and being churned out because of the success of shit like Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Smurfs. At this point, I'm waiting to to do a show and tell you guys that they're doing a Snorks movie, and maybe they'll do a, a, another a live action Johnny Quest. You know, because that's what Hollywood is doing. They're plucking all these old, obscure cartoons and shows and just churning them out really quick because they'll make twenty five to thirty million dollars and then they'll recoup the rest on home on home video releases. How about this? Why don't you give me a Chili Willy flick? I need, I need, I need the penguin. I need the penguin and, and the achoo. How about that? Why don't you give me the penguin with the scully? I, I can take that. Woody Woodpecker, I mean, yeah, he's funny, but I'll, I'll take Chili Willy. I'll even take Thundar the Barbarian. Props to Slick for bringing that up. Much love to Ookla the Mock. That's my dude right there. But Slick gets line of the evening by recommending Thundar the Barbarian gets the live action treatment. How about we just get the Herculoids while we're at it? I got an idea. Why don't we make a Space Ghost movie and make Bradley Cooper play Space Ghost? Because we just don't got shit else better to do. It's it's ridiculous. And the last bit of what the fuck movie news, and I'm sure you guys are going to love this. Roughly a year ago, it was rumored that NBC had ordered a pilot for a rebooted Monsters series. I kid you not. Put out by Pushing Daisy's creator, Brian Fuller. As of yesterday, it seems that NBC has ordered a pilot for the rebooted Monsters from Brian Fuller. As of right now, there's no mention of the exact story, but the new version is going to be a half-hour sitcom, and it's going to be the lead-in for an hour-long series that explores how the Monster House came about. Of course, it's going to be darker and less campy and have a better feel than the black and white original. Yeah. The Munsters. How old is that show? And it's going to get the small screen treatment because it worked for Charlie's Angels and, I don't know, it worked for Knight Rider. Yeah. I, I see that being oh so successful it's gonna compete against the kardashians and real housewives of fucking temecula california or wherever the fuck they are yeah you're you're gonna do really good with that and sadly my friends that actually wraps up the show for this week nice bit of depressing what the fuck tv news to close things out unfortunately my friends that's gonna wrap it up (laughs) it's as easy as that You've just heard My Take Radio episode 116 for Thursday, November 17th, 2011. If you have any questions or concerns or would like to be a guest, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also call the feedback number, which is 347-815-0MTR. 347-8150-MTR or 0687 for those of you that don't have letters on your keypad. Feedback, questions, comments. If you don't want them played on air, please say so. Otherwise, they will be. 347-815-0687 or 3-1-well-347-8150-MTR. Social media networks, we're on them. Follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. You can also follow my personal account, Rich underscore MTR. It's been a little neglected as of late just because I've been focusing all my energies on MTR, but 
I guarantee you, you can be just as entertained following that account as well as following the show account. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Join the MTR Army. Participate in some of our discussions. We're going to be doing more stuff there, especially now with the demise of the forums. I may even start doing some of the forum categories that we had and some of the forum topics and just dropping them in the fan page for you guys to discuss. Last but not least, we are on Google+. Add us to your circle. My Take Radio, punch it in, add us to the circle. We're going to be doing stuff there, possibly some hangouts next week. If you want to ask some questions too, we are on Formspring, formspringme forward slash My Take Radio. You want to take MTR to go? Get the My Take Radio app. It's $1.99 for Android and iOS devices. You can find it on the Amazon Marketplace or the Android Market for any iOS, for any Android device, sorry. For your iOS devices, iTunes is the place to be. $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. And it'll give you access to all our exclusive content, including the Minority Film Report, the MTR Beyond the Mic series, My Take Radio Behind the Mic. We're also going to be doing some other exclusive stuff for app owners. And also for Stitcher subscribers, you can follow us via the Stitcher app. Totally free. No MP3s, no syncing, no headaches. Stitcher.com forward slash my take. Enter my take in the promo code area and you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card courtesy of Stitcher and my take radio. Want an MTR shirt? Head over to the MTR store. Get yourself a hoodie, a t-shirt. And for the ladies, we even got some V-neck shirts for you, for y'all as well. Last but not least, doing some Christmas shopping. Want to help out MTR? Amazon affiliate store is your source. Use that. Takes you straight to Amazon or your purchases. Help us out. You guys know the deal. Games, movies, comics, gadgets, gear, podcasting gear. All of it is in our affiliate store. Check it out. If there's anything that's missing or things that you can't find on there, let me know. I'll make sure they are there for your use. All right, guys, that's it. I will close out by saying that MTR will probably be on the Miro network next week, which is another network that does video streaming and is used with the Miro player. It is my intention to launch MTR also on the Boxy box and also on the Roku box as well. If all goes according to plan, MTR will be on those outlets as well. Also, got to thank the guys at Mixler for allowing us to simulcast my take radio via the Facebook fan page. You can check that out at mixler.com. If you want to listen to future episodes, just go to the left-hand column and click listen via mixler and you'll be able to listen to the show from the warm embrace of Facebook. I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Next week, remember, MTR will be live Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. Thanks. Peace. I'm out. Taking us out this week, I believe we are going to go out with, I say we go out with Super Mario Bros. Pipes Remix in order to stick it to Nintendo.